Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codenamed Arate. I'm a blur with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're looking at 16 years of DC animated movies to see which stories are sweet and which ones are sour on yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Rasputin, Dark Servant of Destiny, came out, starring Alan Rickman as Gregory Rasputin, and Ian McKellen's in there. Um, there there's a plot, and there's, there's healers, <laughs> and... Death of Rasputin, and uh, it's it's got it all, guys. I, I think I haven't seen it, but it's got like a lot of stars on IMDb. <laughs> oh wow, impressive! <laughs> I just would not have expected any movie about Rasputin to ever be on Anastasia, the non-Disney animated film that came out a year later. Ah, okay, okay. You know each other longer than Anastasia exists, so yes. you know, there you go. There's your yes. there's your benchmark, guys. <laughs> well, whether it be he be a master caster of the dark arts or, you know, he dances around while fighting like in The King's Man. Um, that was a spoiler. So in case you haven't seen that movie. But today we, we <laughs> it's are the only to... thing we're seeing in that movie. So you might as well not see it. Anymore. <laughs> but today we are talking about a film that is heavily influenced with uh, basically everything dealing with Russia with Superman Red Sun. Uh, now, just a quick disclaimer. We do want to say that, um, you know, given our show, we don't necessarily talk about things of current events, but we'll quickly just say we do not condone the uh, violence that's happening between with the occupation of Russia and Ukraine. Just going to say that out there. Just Yeah, fair to say. Fair to mention that now off the top because this movie is heavily set in russia and talks about a lot of uh, you know relevant things so uh yeah mm-hmm. fair to say at the top we are continuing on for our sweet or sour season with this 2020 film um at a runtime of 84 minutes this is a pg-13 film so you know that already sets our minds on how we can discuss this film here and it was directed by sam Liu, who basically took the reins of all animated uh <laughs> directorial spots for the dcamu in some ways she performed in the last couple of years hey if you need a feige why not make it sam Liu? if you can't get kevin feige that's what they say <laughs> in the biz uh, so we have the plot of today's film is instead of fighting for the American way, what if Superman was the champion of socialism? I think that is the uh, man. My social studies knowledge is like failing me right now with this. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what state I'm in currently because, you know, America <laughs> didn't really help me out with that history and geography stuff. So uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> All right, cool. We're fine with that because we're going to keep on moving along because uh, we have our one of our first Elseworlds films. So um, before Marvel came out with What If, um, before in a time where alternate realities and different mindsets were a thing, uh, DC came out with their Elseworlds storytelling. So this is, if you're familiar with Elseworlds, you probably have watched um crossover episodes of the flash and arrow or crisis on on earth x all of those things count as elseworlds and basically it's just what if our heroes changed in some way shape or form like what if batman actually got the therapy that he needed to not <laughs> after his parents passed uh so here our cast list is you know of course we have some perfect elseworld casting as we have villainous actor jason isaacs you know him as Sinestro in a couple of DC animated films. He also played um, not Lucius Malfoy in the Harry mm-hmm. Potter series. Uh, today, he dons the red cape as Superman. We got Roger Craig Smith. Um, we mentioned him in the previous episode. He is returning as the voice of Batman. Uh, she's no stranger to the fandom world. Uh, you'll probably know her from Angel and Alias. And most recently, you probably know her as Caitlin Strucker on Fox's The Gifted, uh, a live action story in the telling of the world of the X-Men. But today, Amy Acker lends her voice to Lois Lane Luthor. Yes, you heard that correctly. Lois Lane Luthor. Yep. We'll we'll get into it. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And more perfect Elseworld casting, uh, Diedrich Bader removes his Cape Crusader cowl of Batman to play Lex the Bald Wonder. (laughs) Um, who actually has a lot of hair in this film, I gotta say. Yeah, he's uh he's got that Rogaine going, man. Mm-hmm. Uh it's good good for him. Yeah, definitely, definitely got that him subscription or something. <laughs> um, Jim Meskimen, uh, we mentioned him before. He voiced Bay Rule in Constantine City of Demons, the movie that still gives us nightmares. <laughs> uh, but today he voices not one but two presidents during our Cold War era film here. The DCAMU Wonder Woman returns as Vanessa Marshall comes back um, to voice Wonder Woman Diana Prince once again in this Elseworlds story. Of course, we had to include these two goats of DC with Phil Morris and Phil Lamar um, filling in as James Olsen and Jon Stewart, both respectively. And finally, this dude, we got to give him his flowers uh, because he was the voice of Charles Xavier and Wolverine and the X-Men, voiced many of the transformations from Ben 10. He was the voice of Doug Dimmodome, owner of Dimsdale Dimmodome. <laughs> That's all you have to say. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, this man's career goes so far back that he was a river spirit in Spirit of the Way and the one of the ice titan. He was the ice titan in Disney's Hercules. Mm, okay. So today we got to honor Jim Ward, who serves as the old timey news anchor, uh, George Taylor, who speaks in the beginning of the film to recount the fact that Russia now has a Superman, which we'll get into. But the reason why we're giving him his flowers is because this is the last role that Jim had as a voiceover um, in a film because he decided to retire in 2021 due to complications from Alzheimer's and COVID. Mm. So, yeah. Um, now that we have everything set for our film, it's time to pop open some vodka and boom tube over to the beginning of Superman Red Sun. Like any good superhero movie, this starts with bullies chasing the loner kid. Um, and this time, right before the kid can get what is undeservedly coming to him, I was like, get what coming to him. He didn't do anything. Wow. <laughs> this kid's pissing me off. Uh, 
before the get gets hurt, um, his friend Samushkas. So I might be bushing that. I'm sorry. But uh, for all purposeless, all intents and purposes, because they do it later, they call her Lana for short. So mm-hmm. I think Slet Slet Lana and yes. uh, Shimonska, I think. Yes. Uh, her name's Lana um, yeah. <laughs> for the purposes of this podcast, because I'd rather use the nickname than butcher her name. Um, so Lana steps in to save him from the bullies and this kid explains he's not afraid of fighting them. He's afraid of hurting them and immediately spills the beans and reveals he has super strength because this is a Russian Clark Kent right here. Yes. Um, and she's shocked when she sees this. I mean, we were shocked when she threw them hands and they definitely, you know, one kid definitely got a 360 turn on the way she punched him. Oh, but yeah. to- see um this russian version of clark kent lift up the truck over his head and then takes um, lana to up in the air showing that he can already fly and there's the question of why is it that she he never shared this before and it was like you know he never really had these powers until more recently he's feeling these changes um which i don't know what happened to my version of puberty because (laughs) like um so she tells him that he needs to give his powers over to the state to help his country and you can see this triumphant look on his face as we immediately jump to about um 10 years later um the news report is coming through that the soviet government has this alien superhuman the which you're calling the um the soviet superman or just superman for short and it's leading into um you know America's in a frenzy. They're trying to figure out how do we even combat this man. They're thinking that all oh, this is fake news, but it's clear that it's real. As Joseph Stalin, at the site of a new hydroelectric dam that was built, um, reveals Superman to the world as he's thanking the workers for building it, but saying that it cannot have been done without the help of Superman, who comes up to give his own speech. Yeah, and uh, this is a pretty good speech uh, about it, it shows how much humility uh, this the Superman has that he really genuinely wants to give respect to the workers. He doesn't want to seem like this power hungry man. He just wants to serve his country in the best way possible. And that is just not enough for Lex Luthor watching in America who just doesn't trust that Superman's intentions will stay all good and he'll just, his country's interest won't conflict with his. So he very casually decides, I'm going to drop a satellite on Metropolis and see what happens. <laughs> Not before he asked the, the president for also $12 million. Um, so take that, Dr. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> so this leads into our next point in the film where... Uh, Superman is just op- just living his life. He's just trying to be who he is. We also get an introduction to um, Lois Lane as well, or rather Lois Lane Luthor. Um, but the news about the satellite coming down to Earth is, is causing everyone to panic. They immediately recognize that the satellite is going to crash into the um, north northeastern seaboard of North America. So 
Superman decides that he's going to fly on over to stop the satellite from crashing into the ground, causing any kind of damage to Metropolis, which is, again, what Luthor had planned. And this leads into our first interaction between Superman and Lois Lane Luthor. Yes, Lois Lane Luthor is not afraid to call Superman out. But Superman gives it right back saying like, look, I don't have a problem with America, but I have a problem with your capitalist husband. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can't say he's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) He's out of line, but he ain't wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So they have a a public face-off and she tries to goad him into an interview and publicly he flies away, but he then agrees to privately meet with her. And again, they're having some really interesting conversations about the perception of America abroad because while Lois is trying to hit him on the restricted freedoms a country might experience with one um, one leader, one dictator above anything. Um, he's in her right back with, um, what was America built on? Slaves mm-hmm. and immigrants? Excuse me? What are you talking about? Freedom? So, uh, and Lois even admits there's a gap between the American dream and reality. So they're both bringing up really strong points for their respective sides. But what breaks through to Superman in this argument is when Lois mentions that there are mass executions and gulags going on in Russia that he doesn't know about. And she pulls up with them read receipts. Mm-hmm. I just want to go back real quick on just like that line that got dropped between the, um, there's a mass like gap between the American dream and the American reality. That is a plus writing to me. Like as soon as I heard that, I like did the sit back and then, Hmm. That's a that's a tweetable moment kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what you're going to kind of be expecting from this kind of storytelling. Um, and these thoughts go through Superman's mind as he flies immediately over to the location of one of these gulags. He, um, you know, everybody that's there, all the guards, they're like shocked to see him um, because they're not, they again, this is something that was always hidden from him. So as he enters the building, because again, he is Stalin's like favorite, no one's going to try to stop him. I mean, he's also a super all-powerful being, so no one can stop him. He goes in and he starts seeing all the people who are just being held in this gulag. There are hundreds, almost like thousands of people just buried underneath the ground, because um, which was also hidden from him because the whole building was lined in lead. He goes in and you know people are like some people are shocked to see him but there's this one kid who upon seeing him is just like oh so you're you're the superman um you know i've always heard that you had all these great powers and you're a champion of the people but if you have that super hearing why couldn't you hear our screams this entire time oh yes i had to write this one down uh yeah it was the uh they say you can hear a leaf fall from a million miles away, and you, yet you never heard our cries. Mm. Gosh, darn, kid. <laughs> um, you spitting. Um, and it, there's also a moment when he's talking to kids that you see bats fly mm-hmm. behind him. Great foreshadowing. But um, this is a, oh, another. And also, real yeah. quick, too, it's like he's holding, the kid is holding his parents' hand 
both of whom seem to have died. So a lot of subtlety there in the scene. And another subtle thing I like about this movie is that we're all used to seeing Superman's pose. He's traditionally arms down by his side, very open, very, you know, strong. And here, Superman's neutral pose is to have his hands behind his back. Mm-hmm. Um, clasped and held together so just a really subtle posture change to let you know you're dealing with a new superman whereas something like injustice would say hey look at this guy he's got a darker shade of blue <laughs> they they do more than that um so while he is down there she find he finds lana and finds and she's he's like what could you possibly been in here for and she says for knowing him before he became Superman. And although Superman is able to get her back to the surface, along with all the other prisoners of the Gulag, um, it's too late. Whatever condition she's been in have strained her body too much. And it's a, it's a really, really poetic scene as well because um, she's bathed in sunlight, which mm. I, I do love when it's not rain. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, Batman. Um, but I do love when sad scenes are in sunlight and especially because Superman can absorb and heal with sunlight to have Lana die in sunlight is mm-hmm. a really sharp and strong contrast. And the last thing she says before she dies is that he is her hope. This causes Superman to become enraged. He is no longer a fan of the whole entire system that he was put into, or rather a fan of Stalin, who he immediately goes to confront about all this. And the more he hears Stalin talk, the more he's realizing that, um, you know, that the true enemy of the people, the true enemy of the state is not America. It's not, um, you know, the people who they're fighting against or who are the people who are the, the people who are within the state who are trying to protest to get against them is Stalin himself. So calling back to a classic Superman move, whenever he's in front of a president, he does not like just thinking about injustice and thinking about um, justice league un- unlimited mm-hmm. where um, Superman uses his heat vision to completely burn down Stalin, killing him instantly. This alerts his guards who immediately rush in, guns already um, pointed, and they're ready to take down whatever threat it is. But it's clear now that they even seem to side with Superman here as they bend the knee. Yeah, I mean, look, they're smarter than 90% of thugs in the DC universe who try to (laughs) shoot anyway, like is going to do anything. Come on. Uh, So they immediately give up, which is fair. Um. And I do want to point out the exchange I love in the scene between him and Stalin, where Stalin says, uh, certain people must die for the system to work. Mm-hmm. And Superman goes, wise words, before he kills him. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of on you. You got to choose your words carefully, bro. Uh, <laughs> that's not a Black Adam reference. I was thinking it was a Black Adam reference. <laughs> it can be if you want, if you're part of the 90% who likes it. Um <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't a Black Adam podcast. This is a Red Sun. And um, at this point, we cut back to America uh, where we get another notable, noticeable change. Jimmy Olsen is black, guys. Yep. Whoa. 
just mm-hmm. like Supergirl and on the Arrowverse. <laughs> but unlike Supergirl on this era, in the Arrowverse, this Jimmy Olsen is useful because he is <laughs> in the government trying to do it to help with Lex Luthor. And at this point, Lois Luthor rushes in and says, this is our fault, what happened to Stalin, because you mm-hmm. gave me those files. So once again, we're seeing Lex playing chess um, on an international stage, but he's not done because he has another science experiment up his sleeve. But we're not going to get to that yet because Superman's a little busy doing some work around the world. Yeah, um, well, it looks like Superman has decided to advance the uh, the communist ideals because he is siding with um, he's ending the Korean War. Um, by basically saying, telling North Korea that, hey, if you, uh, you, you know, basically if you fuck around, you will find out. <laughs> um, he demolishes the Berlin Wall. Um, and this leads into him gaining more power, gaining more respect from his people. Um, of course, it also creates a side of people who don't necessarily agree with him and not just talking about the American government who are just seeing that he's intervening in things that just need to be taken more care of. But he's not going to worry about that because um, right now he's at a party. He's dressed up to the nines, got his um, premiere suit on uh, as he is dancing with Princess Diana, a.k.a. Wonder Woman of Themyscira here. Um, who has now entered the universe. Yeah, and this is, uh, so with Elseworlds, not like all Elseworlds are the same, but you kind of expect for this to go a certain way, which is Superman and Wonder Woman are going to find a common ground because they're they like more forceful solutions to problems. But things are very different this time. <laughs> um, because this time around, um, Superman and Wonder Woman have a conversation and when superman thinks it's going romantic she's like i live on an island full of only women you can do the math so (laughs) it becomes more about this friendship between them um that is explored and deepened throughout the movie and i do like because often the superman wonder woman relationship is reduced to this kind of lingering romantic tension between them and we know he's got Mm -hmm. Lois so Mm -hmm. (laughs) we know how it has to turn out every time Um, but it was interesting for them to explore that and while they're enjoying at the party they don't notice that across the world uh, Lex's experiment has uh, gone a little bit too well yeah because um, so calling back to when Superman was able to stop that satellite from crashing he took the satellite and threw it in the water. Uh, probably not the best thing to do with recycling habits and all that. But <laughs> I, I mean, things, I guess, were pretty lax back in the day. But from that satellite, Lex is able to pull where Superman was holding the satellite. And he pulls DNA from the, the imprints of Superman's fingertips into the satellite. I'm not entirely too sure about this, uh, about how sound this science is, but I'm just going to go because it's comics. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And from that, he's able to clone a Superman who he calls superior man. Uh, Superior man is basically everything Superman is, but stronger, uh, faster, his abilities 
are you know a bit more fine-tuned but more importantly he is a product of the u.s government and he is owned by the u.s government he fights for the u.s government to the point where instead of having an s on the chest his emblem is actually just u.s written styled in the same way that superman's um logo is and generally when he whenever you see him in comics even his color scheme matches the typical superman style that we see superior man indeed because when they do a test um they shoot a bunch of bullets at him and they fly off and i didn't even point this out my roommate who was passing by pointed this out that during the test they're on two balconies on either side of superior man and they're shooting at superior man and the bullets are bouncing out wouldn't that kill everybody who's shooting yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) how far are they gonna go for this demo (laughs) Or at least do a beanbag shot or something, man. Come on, y'all can shoot straight ahead. Like, what? What is going on? Um, and also we do find out that Superior Man has borrowed his <laughs> celebratory pose from Hydra with the two arms pumped out in front of him. Um, whether that's intentional or not, I I don't know, but I do love it. Um, I was expecting him to say "Hail Hydra," but. <laughs> Now that he struck his pose, he decides to give Superman the business. He flies right over to Russia, disrespectfully interrupts a nice night out for Superman, and is on sight. Mm-hmm. Superman takes off the entire suit he was wearing, revealing that you know these that he's ready to fight whenever need be. As Superior Man is just slapping Superman throughout all of Russia. There's um, at first a little dialogue in which, you know, recognizing that Superior Man just came to, to Russia with no cause or anything just to fight Superman. Superman calls him out on it. You know, he says that, like, you know, just a, it's typical of the fact that you guys, you're, you're coming here as an invader. We, we haven't done anything to you. We have caused nothing. And because you came to our home as an invader, I must justly take you down for that. Um. The fight starts happening. Cars are crashing all around them. Superman is getting slapped through buildings. He's recognizing how much damage this battle is causing. So he slaps Superior Man halfway across the world into the Arctic. <laughs> I mean, he's just trying to follow DBZ rules, which is fighting in an abandoned place. <laughs> Word. Um, I get it. Um, so... This fight is pretty uh, well animated. It's pretty creative about using their powers. Um, And because sometimes I'm not going to name any names specifically of superhero movies that do this, but you can't understand the power (laughs) scaling sometimes of how like powerful people are in relation to each other. But in this fight, it is very, it's very clear that Superior Man is falling behind Superman. He just doesn't have enough juice. So guess what? Lex Luthor can apparently remotely juice Superior Man. So he starts remotely feeding Superior Man steroids and to pump up his muscles because, look, this movie needed a most jacked individual. And (laughs) it's going to give you one because Mm -hmm. Superior Man starts looking a lot like Brawly in this one. Yeah, but uh, Bizarro Broly. Um, Cyber Psycho Broly. Yes. (laughs) He's got that cyber psychosis. Uh, 
just uh watch cyberpunk y'all <laughs> so as um as this battle is happening we see how more and more as we mentioned uh superior man is to start to deteriorate he's talking a lot like our prime earth bizarro as uh the fighting keeps on happening and superman is truly holding it down so lex um he just keeps demanding that they keep powering up superior man lois even is there she's just like you're, you're gonna kill this dude and more or less lex kind of frames it as just like this is what we have to do for science or for the world um he superior man eventually becomes too gets to the point where he can't hold back all that power um so his body just starts shutting down which leads to superman stopping the fight to go and comfort his dying comrade and he's asking him like what's happening to you what's going on and he doesn't he can't he can't explain as um superior man just disintegrates in front of him and this creates uh more of a disdain that superman has for lex because he knows now that lex is the one that you know was behind it um and it's clear that they're willing to do anything sacrifice anyone for their mission and their cause, which he always will continue to see as a misguided thing compared to his own ideals. And I, I do really uh, like want to emphasize what you said about him pitying the the enemy. He he genuinely Superman didn't even feel like he wanted to kill Superior Man necessarily. Like I think mm-hmm. he recognized at a point that Superior Man wasn't going to win the battle, and would have just liked to send him home. To, so he could do duty to his own country, but he was genuinely broken up about this, um, which I think is a nice detail. Um, so Lois also reveals she's not cool with this idea either of sending, creating something to die, even though Luthor insists in it. Um, she saw it differently. And as they have, they have this moral falling out, Superman gets busy again because Brainiac comes for a visit. And unlike um, the movie we covered, which one was that? Uh, Um, Superman Unbound. So unlike Superman Unbound, which we still can't figure out why the title was uh, of that movie was such um, (laughs) the, uh, he is able to beat Brainiac in a montage sequence, but does lose his hometown in the exchange, the capital crown jewel of Russia. And it's revealed that he capes Brainiac around to use as a supercomputer for his own needs because he needs them soon because we got Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder's Batman in the house and he is killing and blowing up everything. Yeah. Um, so we jump again, we get another time jump here where, um, you know, the, the victories of Superman for the, um, for the Russian people is clear that developed a museum for him and as they're regaling these stories batman comes through on the pa system and tells them that you all are you know basically representing or basically supporting a false leader um he is clearly not here for the people he is just destroying them like even look at it as we see like really quickly he mentions that um people are being lobotomized and reprogrammed um if they ever are um, try to do anything against Superman. And there's a quick shot where a person has like a metal piece in their head and there's like the little Superman kind of logo etched onto it. Um, so he decide he tells them that, you know, if 
I'm going to destroy everything that's a marker for, you know, the pride of Superman. And you have 10 minutes to leave, which people frantically start rushing out. And the uh, person in, that's doing the tour, she's just like, don't worry, we have enough time. And before she even finished her sentence, the whole building blows up. And when she's Batman, you can see me pan out to him. And he says, oh, did I say 10 minutes? I meant 10 seconds. So, yeah, we're basically dealing with the Joker here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, because he does has no compunction about killing innocents if it gets his message across. Um, and they just kind of leave him his his motivations a mystery because Superman's able to catch three of his flunkies who, I mean, you got to try to run, I guess. <laughs> there was really you no gotta, They didn't follow Batman's number one rule. When all else fails, it's sewer time. Yeah, they didn't do super sewer time. And that's what that's what cost them in the end. Mm-hmm. By the way, the gulag scene counts as super su- sewer time because they went underground. <laughs> OK, close okay. enough. <laughs> um, so while um, Batman is trying to get Superman his own way, we also get a quick moment where Wonder Woman saves some people um, seeing that she's hanging around trying to help her friend Superman. And there's a moment where she's like, oh, of course, men did this. And Superman tries to go, not all men. And I'm like, ah, no, no, no. Uh-uh, you can't be going around saying that. Um, so while they are dealing, picking up the pieces from Batman's attack. We cut to JFK, everybody who Mm -hmm. um, is hanging out with Hal Jordan and they're seeing a Green Lantern ship Um, and they have an alien on the table who still has his ring intact and instead of the ring choosing it, um, Lex Luthor just chops off that finger and just decides, let's see what (laughs) we can do with this. Yeah, that was a... uh... I mean, I know that Lex likes to cut right to the point, but good grief, man. Um, so now there's a idea that maybe that they're planning to re, re, um, reverse engineer this ring for um, for the U.S. government, but we don't have time to really see about the development of that because we got to head back over to to Russia, where um, Superman's trying to deal with the aftermath of Batman's attack, and as he's like uh, preparing for a dinner, he's having a dinner with. Um, with the, uh, I believe it was the president of Korea, I believe Wait, it was. Pre- either president or an ambassador. Yeah. Well, he's having dinner with this um, elected official. And, you know, there there's a question that comes up because Superman is really just in his own world. But then the more he, this and this person is trying to speak with him, he questions like, hey, why, why aren't you siding with me on some things? Like, why haven't you done certain things like I've asked and he says well it's because you scare me and this is the first time we kind of hear someone actively say who Superman sees as like a friend or someone that he's like connected to or at least put into his circle that he's being he's ruling out of fear um you know, it's a shock. It's a. It, it seems like things are blowing up in his face, especially the next explosion that happens, where Batman um, creates his own bat signal 
amongst the area of Russia where he creates an ex- a series of explosions that blow up in a way that it shows the bat symbol on the streets. And then Superman immediately hears Wonder Woman calling out to him saying that he needs to get there immediately. Yeah, just like in Dark Knight Rises, um, you know, when in doubt, just oh, make sure you yes. have a big ass logo of yourself <laughs> instead of saving the people. <laughs> Because I'm sure the people will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> this scene is quite possibly one of the most insane, in a good way, mm-hmm, <laughs> scenes mm-hmm. um, I've ever seen between a Batman and Superman. Because Batman has captured Wonder Woman with her own lasso of truth, with which in, I don't know if this is the rule in every reality, but at least in this reality, at, can restrain her. Because it's the only thing mm-hmm. with enough power to restrain her. And since he she is bound, um, Batman can order her to self-harm if he is attacked. So Superman's like, all right, buddy, you got her. You got me over a barrel here. But what's your real plan? That's when Batman reveals he has a series of red sun lamps and he turns them all on and starts beating the bricks off <laughs> Superman Jesus, I have not seen a beating like this since Invincible, guys. And it is is one of the most savage beatings I've ever seen Superman take. And at the end of the battle, Batman's like, I don't even want to kill you. No, no, no. And there's no Martha that's going to save him. (laughs) There's no Martha (laughs) moment that's going to save him here. Uh, Batman straight up throws Superman into a deeper prison and says, I'm going to keep you here for the rest of your life, essentially, um, while you watch me burn down everything you've built and free of, free the world from your tyranny. Um, but Wonder Woman, she's not that cool with this idea. Yeah, because um, as you mentioned, one of Wonder Woman's um, weaknesses is being bound. This is a call back to our Wonder Woman character profile episode in which that was one of her original weaknesses from back in the day. Um, but at first it was like chains, but now it's definitely the lasso of truth. Uh, but she shows that, you know what? She is the one that is unbound. Uh, so Wonder Woman has broken out. Um, she It's clear, though, that it had a drastic effect on her, that it's clear that she was psychically and physically connected to the lasso of truth as it drains her of... Um, the breaking of the rope drains her of her power, or rather her um, her age, really. she Her, her youth, she goes gray her body weakens but she still has enough power to take the generator out and destroy it um leading to superman being able to break out of his prison where now he comes face to face with batman who's frantically look trying to figure out his escape plan and superman realizes um well superman unveils because uh what has he's done to other batman subjects he has effectively brainwashed them with the help of brainiac reprogrammed um, and has turned them into essentially mindless robots. So when given the option of that happening to him, Batman just unalives himself instantly. Um, he just explodes. And, you know, we don't get the full measure of the story of what was going on with him. We're kind of left to, sign of messed up to say, pick up the pieces of its <laughs> <laughs> <his> story. <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> you uh the arc is there the arc is there of what 
um, how he got to this point. And this also is a breaking point for a breaking point because she broke her lasso um, for Wonder Woman as well, um, who says, I'm done with you. Like, I, I just this was all your faults. This is this is why I'm in this situation in the first place. I'm leaving. So she takes off disgusted with the mind control um, because that's what Superman was going to do without his consent. So um, he flies off. She flies off um, leaving for Superman to have a conversation with Brainiac about what's the next move. Yeah, because, you know, Brainiac is showing about how his efforts, Superman's efforts have been fruitful. Um, there's like a rise in productivity and all of these crazy statistical numbers about the economy things so that I'm pretty sure the political science major could probably explain to us better what this all means. But more importantly, this is another time jump in a way. Um, we now have that in the United States, um, Lex Luthor has become president of the United States of America, and he has finally lost all of his hair. Um, he the uh, this is leading now. It feels like into the next stage of of the work where um, Superman he decides to you know I think he decides to just kind of figure out what to do for um, for Russia, and this leads into uh, the president calling out uh, a strike against Superman this strike gets picked up by Brainiac and they're realizing that, hold on, it's a bit too fast to be missiles. And then this is where we see that the Green Lantern ring that was given to Hal Jordan has now been fully reverse engineered to create a whole new core of the United States government dedicated to these Green Lanterns. As we have pretty much every Green Lantern that we know throughout comics, we have Hal, we have John, you have Gardner, um, I believe Kyle made an appearance, but everybody is there for this battle of the Green Lanterns versus Superman. Yes, as Super Smash would say, everybody's here. Um, <laughs> I think we have to say multiverses now. Multiverses, all oh, right, right. Legally, multiverses. Legal, yeah, legal. Um, you know, we see a lot of these. <laughs> we see a lot of these movies. So I really do have to step back and applaud a moment of true creativity of an idea I've never thought before. This idea of giving a bunch of U.S. soldiers um, Green Lantern powers and calling them the Green Lantern Corps. Come on, that is brilliant. Yeah, that, that was, yeah. <laughs> like, and having them fight petty U.S. squabbles and conflicts. I, I love it. I love it. It's such a creative and cool idea. And to see them all working together to try to contain Superman. Of course, Gartner loses almost immediately. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, another count to the Green L, the Green Lantern L count there. <laughs> uh, once again, um, we're bringing it back. And, and it, this battle is really, again, another good animated battle. Very creative in the constructs. And for a moment, the Green Lanterns almost beat Superman together. Mm-hmm. And, but at the last moment, Wonder Woman breaks him out. And although she is willing to help Superman, she's like that. Everybody gets one. Um, but you ain't ever seeing me again. I'm hiding. 
from Man's World. This is it. I just wanted to try to stop World War Three, but I can see y'all going to do whatever. So I'm out. And um, this is a great line where <laughs> was it Gardner who said women, right? Or, or was that Jordan? I want to say it was Jordan because I think Gardner was still in the water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jordan goes women, right? And Superman punches him out of the sky. Um, <laughs> so now, once again, we get it. It's such a funny dynamic, but Superman and Brainiac still working together and figuring out, okay, they've made this aggressive front. What is the next move? Yeah, and that next move is to head on over to good old US of A because Superman is tired of Lex just messing around with his life, messing around with his people, his livelihood, everything. So he and Brainiac fly on over to the White House where they, once they arrive, they realize that there's no, there's no defense. There's nobody is there to greet them. Nobody's there to even stop them. Um, so they're about to get ready to to try to figure out what to do next when Lois comes out and she starts questioning a lot of his past. Um, but more specifically, she questions it to the point where she has in her hands the bottle city of Stalingrad, the home the home city of Superman in our movie here. And this is really another really interesting scene that really takes advantage of this world because um lois says you know you're trying to talk about all this liberation and and for people around the world but why haven't you liberated your own city mm-hmm. and he's like i just haven't been able to and brainiac's like no you could have done it at any time but you kind of implied that you didn't want to so <laughs> um which is a very interesting you know a very interesting uh question um, so at this point, he this really seeing the city, realizing what he's lost, um, sacrificed to on this crusade makes him rethink everything. And he really wants to genuinely turn things around and build another kind of world. But Brainiac is like, nah, that's unacceptable, bro. We're about to destroy this whole thing. <laughs> and immediately reveals that he has all been playing Superman from the jump. He realized that he even let the force field down for Superman that allowed him to attack the ship. Cause he was like, why try to conquer one city when I could conquer the planet, just taking a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And as Superman prepares to face Brainiac alone and his city literally crumbles in front of his eyes, Lex comes in with another suit to save the day. Yes. Lex as the president of the United States has pulled out his power suits and we're not talking about his navy blue one. We are talking about a full-on automated just thing is massive where he can fly, he can shoot lasers, he has all of his technology. Uh, he's able to save Lois before she gets crushed by something that was um that was damaged in the process of when Brainiac started to attack. So he tells her to head on down to the bunker while he and Superman um, show Brainiac that Braun beats um, Brain any moment of the day. And as this fight happens, um, Superman and Lex are really teaming up. They're a pretty good team here. As Lex, there are moments when Lex gets captured, Superman breaks him out and vice versa. Um, all with the plan that Lex will be using his technology 
to break through the force field that's surrounding Brainiac's ship, just giving Superman just enough space that he could fly through like the spear through Brainiac's ship once again, like he did um, in the montage scene earlier in the film. And by doing so, that he's able to once again show us that Superman does not like anything animatronic, anything robotic, as he pulls a, I can't remember which Mortal Kombat character this finishing move was, but um, basically pulled Brainiac's head and all you just see is the ultimate fatality of just spine coming out. Oh yeah, I thought that too. That's a classic uh, Scorpion move. Right. Um, <laughs> so after fully getting rid of Brainiac, crushing his brain just to be sure, as all bad guys love to do, the ship is self set to self-destruct and release 15 mini black holes or something ridiculous like that. You just need to know how that's even possible. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of boom tube technology? <laughs> so it's pretty clear this thing can't be allowed to detonate on, on Earth. So Superman offers to take it to space and Luther points out, bro, not even you could get and out of the way of an explosion like this in time and get it clear from Earth. And Superman's like, <laughs> watch me, bro. And <laughs> he flies straight into space. And as he pushes himself to the limit, he hears Lana's last, her voice again, one more time and about her hopes that he would save the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just hear, we see the explosion. We don't hear it. Love it. Accurate. Can't, mm -hmm. Sound doesn't travel in space. So we just see the explosion and the day is saved. Yep. Um, so now it seems as though Superman made the ultimate sacrifice here um, in not only protecting his country, but the world. So we see now that we're at a ceremony in front of the Capitol building um, where Super rather Lex is talking about Superman and his own um, journey throughout this whole entire time of facing off against Superman. But more importantly, Lex is sharing that he is um, stepping down as president. He is retiring effective immediately and his VP will now become president. And that VP is James Olsen. So we got a black president y'all in this universe. Hey, like 40 years early or something like that. I wasn't keeping <laughs> track of time to be honest, but <laughs> earlier than it normally could have. Happened. Yeah. Way or yeah. <laughs> so as Lex is sharing this, um, we pan over to Lois, who's just scanning over the crowd, and she stops on this one individual, um, the most jacked individual wearing the <laughs> trench coat, uh, as it's clear that Superman has survived the blast, and she's shocked to see him at first, but he quickly disappears as she's just left with a smile on her face, knowing that their newfound friend has you know, survived and is hopefully going to just live quietly and have a relaxed life. Um, Lex, after giving his speech, he heads on over to Lois and shares that, you know, she asked him, What's, what are you going to do next? Like, oh boy's been conquering, the, conquering everything. So he says that um, he could do this. He could like solve and cure things. But what he's going to do is that he's going to retire um, with his loving wife and on the beach and finally re relax to finally give her the appreciation that she deserves over all these years. And that's how our movie ends. Um, a loving note from Lex Luthor to his wife. Um, Superman goes on to live his own life to figure out what to do next. 
as the credits roll um, on Superman Red Sun. Now, before we give our sweet or sour rating, of course, we have to make sure that um, we keep on practicing our Russian. So while we try to figure out how to finally say Svetlana, and, nope. you know, the pro- uh, nope, maybe. That's not no, you, I think you got it. <laughs> uh, we'll keep on practicing. But while we while we do that, here's a podcast you should be listening to from the Forgotten Entertainment family the next time you're not listening to us. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right. Superman Red Sun came out in 2020. So in the last two years, um, you know, of this movie being out, Andrew, is this movie as sweet as a Russian dessert that's probably Superman might enjoy? Or is it more sour than walking through than um, Batman's face when he saw Superman walk through the gulag? Well, you know, recently we looked at uh, Monster Mayhem, and I thought <laughs> I really thought uh, that movie was probably going to be the worst thing we saw. Um, and after seeing Red Sun, though. Uh, that's not going to change because this is a sweet movie. <laughs> this is a sweet <laughs> ass movie. Oh man, this uh, this was so good. Um, what Red Sun does very well, um, not only does it have the action and the emotion that we like to see in a DC story, mm-hmm. but um, there's so many subtle things this movie does, um, particularly with the rivalry of Superman and Lex Luthor, where they don't really ever come face to face until the final confrontation you know mm, mm-hmm. it, it's like brilliant things like that they've been playing chess across the board there's even a, a quick scene where Lex Luthor has the chess pieces and he says checkmate Superman and it, it speaks to how they've been playing this game from a distance and staying out of each other's ways and for them to come together to save the world and then immediately part and that's when Luther's like, well, I don't even need to be president anymore because I feel like I've done what I needed to do here. Is a great Lex Luthor and Superman story. Um, I also admire since, we, you know, Superman becoming evil is all the rage nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this take on it where it wasn't a clean cut. He killed one person. He is irrevocably evil. He's never coming back kind of thing. It's a very subtle line of if you're raised with this ideology and this belief, what could you become? Because Mm -hmm. this story in some ways could play out in America if if Superman was more saw some unjust incarceration and things like that. You could see this story transplanting in certain aspects to America. So it's it's not it's not unreasonable to think of Superman turning out this way, even if he was dropped off in Kansas and things have been slightly different. So it poses a very interesting um, position of Superman and a a very interesting view. 
voice acting is great. Jason Isaacs, my band, um, killing it. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just really like how this movie gives exactly what you need and and not not more than that. Um, but it, and that's all it needs to be a superb outing. And honestly, my only Arte alteration, because I like extra ice cream, is I would love <laughs> to see more Brainiac and Superman's interactions uh, mm-hmm. in the middle because it is so important to the climax. And mm-hmm. it was great. It still works. Um, it still logically pans out. I believed it. But it would have been a little bit more fun for me to see a little bit of their back and forth before the ultimate betrayal and Brainiac going wild and releasing every black hole he knows. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's my minor gripe because overall I had a sweet experience. How about you? Nice. Nice. Um, I had to give this movie a sour. Oh, damn. Yeah. Only because I've read the comic before. This is my now mm. uh, maybe like third or fourth time reading through this comic. Um, it's critically acclaimed it's it's been nominated for awards Um, it just doesn't measure up to the comic otherwise I will say this is definitely a very decent film it's um, if you it's great for dialogue it's great for for action I agree the voice acting is superb the animation is great Um, I think the animation is um, done by I'm forgetting the studio but they have also done some work on like uh, Justice League action, I believe, as well as the Zeta project, uh, another DC uh, animated connected film, um, connected series. But the only reason why I'm giving it a sour is because um, unfortunately compared to the comic, it is very fast paced. Um, you know, and another thing that does come up is that for me, it's just that it, um, Compared to the dialogue that we see in the comic, it is very similar. The 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 plots similar. A lot of the, the the things that lead into it are very similar. However, the way that Superman is painted um, in the film, you can tell it's more so from an American gaze still, because there are times where it's just his experience in the Gulag, not in the comic whatsoever. Mm. Um, I thought it was an interesting. Um, an interesting choice you know if not reading this comic I've been like yes that is a perfect transition I love the sequence of events um, even just thinking about as you mentioned because I was just like I'm glad that you mentioned it the whole scene with Lana being in the light and dying in the light and having all that um, being present because that moment happened in the com- and didn't happen in the comic but happened in the movie it paints the, for me, it kind of paints that American storytelling of just like the one man with the, um, you know, going through and saving the day. Um, he went in and just to completely destroy this gulag. He broke everybody out and he's raised as a champion because of that versus where we saw a lot in the comic where it's just all these like uh, moments of legislation that he's probably putting together, the moments in which he's saving people where he builds up the um, the reputation of being seen as the people's champion. Here, it just seems like he did one great thing. It was done. People respected him, loved him because of it. So that's the only reason why it did feel a little sour to me. Because again, they explore this. And it's an, 
an hour and a half, 80, 80 or so minute long movie compared to three mini issue comics, um, both with like all three with like 52 pages each, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a lot of depth of storytelling that you can go through. So um, again, it's just really just because of the nature of it being fast paced. And unfortunately, the scene of how it can be interpreted, where it's just like, he is being seen as the lone hero and it's still, and it's not really like a continuous effort to try to bring up and save the people. Um, he, it, that's the only issues that I had, but other than that, it was definitely an enjoyable movie. I would just say, don't, if you're going to watch this, don't read the comic first, watch the movie first and then read the comic. You will enjoy the movie way more. Yeah, you know, and I think I think this is a fair assessment, a fair perspective to get from you too, because uh, if you have heard our uh, injustice episode, <laughs> uh, you will know that one of the things that pissed us off was that um, the way they kind of streamline the events of injustice, the escalation in that movie is just too much, too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where it just doesn't make any sense. And I'm not even going to get to dead Robin or whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> but um, I, I can understand when you try to take a big story and condense it and um, into a product, it can, you can lose a lot, which seems like what's happened here. Um, yeah, I, I think that is a valid point to say, you know, what else was he doing? Um, I felt the movie kind of, the way the movie kind of approached that was more of people just instantly afraid of him as opposed to praising him, right. which I think that thematically worked throughout the movie. Because um, mm-hmm. one thing I also want to talk about quick now that you reminded me is about Batman in this movie, who, again, we don't learn too much about, but they kind of let you f- they want you to fill in the gaps of what happened right. to him. I mean, obviously, it's heavily implied the boy Superman ran into in the gulag was became this batman eventually but i did kind of like how by not revealing his identity by not getting specific into his backstory it could have been anybody it could have been anybody yeah. he so-called liberated um it, during his quest so i thought that was a very interesting uh convention and and things to do so i think i i kind of Again, maybe because I've seen, maybe because this is just coming off seeing Monster Mayhem, which uh, crammed 80 million hours of plot into a two <laughs> hour film. Um, so maybe I, now I'm just, I'm in the mood for less plot, less streamlining. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's influencing my decision a bit. But uh, I, I can, I will, having not read it, I can't really weigh in on how it compares, but I, I trust. I trust your take. I trust you if you say, uh, yeah, it it doesn't capture everything that we need to know. I will definitely say to another great thing. I'm glad you brought up the Batman thing. I prefer the story of, of who Batman is in the movie compared to the um, to the comic because it does end up tying a lot into um, Superman's story to the point where it's just like, now you have to question like how old is superman because like he saw batman as a kid he 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 connected with him um real um 
at, I'll save it actually for the comic book section, just kind of like the history of how what happened with Batman. But I definitely will say that like the movie did it better because I did like the idea. It's just like even though they implied with that scene with the kid next to his dead parents, the bats, you know the 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 Bruce Wayne smirk. I guess you could say <laughs> that probably you saw and have. Um, you still didn't know who Batman was, and I love that idea because it, it really helped to push forward the idea that like um of batman being that symbol of you know what he's always talking about but more so the people who rise up who to don their own capes their own cows to um to follow batman in his endeavors to take down superman you know it shows that it could be anyone um so i kind of wish that they did that in the comic but it's it, it gets tied too much into superman's story that it's um it just feels like once again, like we just kind of did a, a Dark Knight Returns or Batman versus Superman um, point in that in that comic. Uh, but speaking about the comic, um, we were talking again about Superman Red Sun. This is a comic of the same name. It was a three part 2003 miniseries written by Mark Miller. Um, you, for I think the name is you know, gone through all of comic bookdom if you ever look at it. Because, um, you know, he became famous after writing The Authority, the DC Wildstone um, um, like publication. But since then, he's been involved in the... He basically created the works that would later inspire the Avengers films, uh, Captain America Civil War, Wanted, Kick-Ass, Logan, and Jupiter's Legacy. But yeah, it's... Um, the comic and the movie are very similar. Uh, you know, in the three-part miniseries, we do get this, like, time jump of Batman, of, I mean, of Superman going through and becoming the leader of Russia while fighting off against Lex. So we get this sense of, like, Superman's rise as the agent of Marxism, his battles with Lex, and the other Cold War of... Um, and that uh, the other core war that Batman has with him and all of that so um, the major differences that we do see are um, again as I mentioned it's just a bit more story that's in the comic Um, you know understand that you can't put all of that into this animated film maybe if it was a series of um, a short series a limited series of some way shape or form but um, obviously things had to get cut, like including one character um, who's the Russian version of Pete Ross. Uh, this is Superman's best friend from growing up. But, you know, you always hear of Lana Lang as the love interest. But then you have Pete Ross, um, who in this universe, he is the son, the, one of the illegitimate children of Stalin. And, you know, he rose up through the ranks to make sure that he could gain um, next in power after his father's passing but once Superman came onto the scene there's tension now between um, Peter and, and and Superman because Superman doesn't really see it as much of an issue like he doesn't want to take lead or anything like that when, they, when we're first introduced to their dynamic but as things progress this is where we see that Superman has to and it's causing a lot of jealousy to come from Peter who wants that power back. This leads into several moments of betrayal, um, including that Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman battle 
where uh, Peter tells Batman where he can find Superman, what he needs to do to capture Superman. So um, by doing so during the battle, before Batman sacrifices himself or uh, blows himself up, he reveals that Peter was the one that, you know, orchestrated this. And this causes Superman to um, go ahead and turn Peter into one of his like lobotomized servants. Um, so that plays like a big part in the story and leads more into Superman's corruption of, of um, what does it mean to be, to have that much power at that point in his life. Uh, as I mentioned, there is also a difference in story for Batman. Um, Batman, instead of being, there's no gulag scene. Uh, Batman is just another Russian kid who, unfortunately, his parents do get shot and killed. Um, this time we find out it's actually by Peter, who later throws, tells Bat, um, tells this younger version of this Russian Bruce Wayne to to run away, um, doesn't want to see him there, like crying over his parents' dead bodies because they were organizing some propaganda against Stalin. And as Batman tries, or this kid tries to hold his ground, uh, Peter shoots him, causing Batman or Bruce to run away. And this leads into the journey. We don't see it, but we see do, do see that he comes back as an older man, ready to take down um superman's regime because at that point stalin does die not by superman's hands but from a effect of poisoning and this leads into that full battle another great scene which i kind of wish they included too was that um we see and hear more from batman getting people to go against superman um, we see the propaganda that he's sending out he even during his battle with superman where he has uh, Wonder Woman tied up. He, when Superman is trapped underneath the the prison, Superman is calling out to Wonder Woman, telling her that um, she needs to go find the generator to go destroy it, so that he could come out and save them. But but Batman goes to Wonder Woman, like, no, that he is. This is he's been corrupted. His power has corrupted him. He's trying to do that with you right now too, and. It's here where we kind of see a sense of like desperation from Batman that I felt like we kind of missed in the movie, but he keeps repeating to Wonder Woman how um, Superman is just using her. And because of hearing that, even though she does destroy the generator, even though she does lose her, um, her youth, she decides to still um, leave, uh, leave Superman. And later on, she will then use her new, because of her current state of being older, um, being really like distant, she decides to go back to the mascara because she's realizing how dangerous Superman is, how he's just another man corrupted by power. So she leads a legion of Wonder Women to team up alongside the Green Lantern Corps to go fight against Superman. Oh, damn. That is a pretty intimidating uh, opening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, like, I was kind of hoping that we got a chance to, you know, it's, it would have been hard to do that because it's clear that, like, in the comic, it's more well-known that Themyscira is, uh, is, like, you know, has that kind of ambassador with Wonder Woman and Queen Hippolyta 
um, and it's more of a recognized place. But they, it, but in the movie, I understand they couldn't really do that because he only really introduced Wonder Woman, Diana, for the sake of this, um, this friendship, which does get explored as well in the comic. Um, another thing that I applaud the movie for is that they actually state that um, Wonder Woman is interested in women. Uh, in the comic, it's just kind of seen as like as like a maybe. Like Superman states, you know, she's always just been one of the guys. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just glad that we had an opportunity where they finally just said that, yes, she is interested in women. That is, Superman does not need to even be thinking about their relationship like that. This is solely a platonic friendship. Um, and then the biggest... Uh, well, the next difference is really the dynamic between Lex, Superman, and Lois. Um, in the comic, it does show more that Lois does seem to have a bit of interest in Superman. She's kind of like the, the stereotype mom in the Lifetime movie who's like checking through that ex's Facebook page. <laughs> um, but honestly, it doesn't even exceed her husband's interest in Superman. Uh, because in the comic, after Superman does something he decides to tell Lois that they need to more or less end their marriage because he's now going to dedicate the rest of his life to taking down and destroying Superman. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they kind of left that a little ambiguous in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, she She completely... She's just like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to remain married. We'll just see each other for our anniversaries. Um. But this time around, they really do actively call in to say that, like, um, we're not going to be sharing the same home together. But on paper, we are still married. And then the only reason why Lex decided to do this is because um, it wasn't because of he there's some crazy plan that he had that Superman foiled in any way, shape or form. It's because Lex is so smart in this universe, which they show in the movie, but not to the fullest extent, that they boast that like he's playing chess against multiple people while maybe reading a book or working on another project. And during one time when Superman does come to the States, um, I think it was during the same moment of the satellite, he does go into Lex's like work place of work where he sees a chess set that Lex is using. He's playing against himself. Um, so Superman goes in and moves some of the pieces, putting Lex in checkmate. And because of that, he's just like, I must now take down Superman, who a person who made a fool of me, even though no one saw that he made a fool of me. I mean, look, we all know, we've all played NBA Street with the homies. And, you know, you got to <laughs> defend your honor behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> dang um still a little hurt about that one andrew <laughs> <laughs> um and then finally the biggest difference of all is actually today's wtf moment in comics um so as we know our movie ends on a pretty positive note superman saves the day from the bigger threats he does survive um also in the movie lex finally wins so he decides to retire and dedicate his life to his long underappreciated wife. <laughs> and we also get the black president. So, you know, we got, we got to keep on saying that. Cause you know, it's, we don't know if it will ever happen again. Just be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but this comic decided to switch that up and it's clear that the movie did it in a way where it's just like i did like the way the movie did end it but the comic does it in a way where it's just like you were clearly just gonna mess with the readers here um superman does save the day he's reported dead but that's not the case uh, but we focus in more on the story of Lex after the events of of Superman stopping Brainiac and taking the the ship from exploding the six uh, miniature black holes. Um, so instead of Lex stepping down as president, he continues on. He actually gets a second term with his vice president James B. Olsen, um, who is not black, unfortunately, in this comic. Damn it! Yeah. Uh, so during his time as president, he for, um, he allows the United States government to go into Russia to take it over. This brings them into the fold of the global United States. Um, and once he finally steps down, once his term is done, he starts to dedicate his life to the betterment of humanity. Um, he does well with it, too. Like people with his advancements in science and culture um, he decides to put artists and scientists and philosophers in control of the United, I guess, United States, planets, United countries. Um, and because of that, that frees up his time to pursue his scientific efforts, including allowing people to live up to the age of 800. Okay, sure, sure. You get to see all the Marvel movies, I guess. <laughs> Um, and also, he himself lives until the fourth millennium. So again, this is happening in um, the 1930s to the 60s. Um, so assuming he probably makes it to like the year 3000, bordering four. Um, so he once he as he goes up to lives up to the year for the fourth million. Um, the funeral does happen in this case. It's, instead of the him stepping down as president, it's a funeral where Lois sees Clark or Superman once again, um, and it's talked about through the eyes through um, Superman storytelling as as the narrator. Now he's talking about how um, just what a great person Lex was, and how eventually he realized that the people didn't need a Superman as much as he thought he did. Um, he tells more about Lex's history, how he, Lex and Lois ended up having kids and grandkids and a long line of descendants. And in that time, society advanced crazily. But unfortunately, with the advancement came a lot of pressures within the world, such as um, the sun started turning red. Oh, it was just because of long term advancements and technology just messing around with everything. Um, the sun turns red it endangers the world so there's only one man left to stop it and um, we're introduced to Lex and Lois's great grandson to the power of 50 Jor-El okay Jor-El upset that people aren't listening to him decides to send his baby son Kal-El in a rocket that ends up being a time ship and that time ship takes off and lands in the Ukraine in 1938. No, um, I'm sorry. I'm going to reject that one. <laughs> that is uh, a little wild, a little wild. <laughs> and it clearly doesn't work. So, 
<laughs> yes, it does create the uh, that. Unfortunately, that uh, was that time paradox that unfortunately that one Lex will forever be in battle with his descendants, but also that Jor-El's plan will never work. Um, but yeah, that's the way the comic kind of goes, you know, and honestly, this isn't the um, first time you've kind of seen a um, a version of Superman that's like connected to a specific country. Um, it's Red Sun is a popular story. Um and I know there was a recently adapted into a season of Supergirl as well, in which um, Supergirl was also cloned or split uh, for the Kasdian government, where they created Red Daughter that was controlled by Lex. Uh, spoilers if you not have not seen Supergirl, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, but in comics, that's not the only time that we've had a, um, a Superman dedicated to a singular country. Um, you know, Superman and mainstream media is a very American nationalist symbol. Um, so eventually, because of that, with works of like Superman Red Sun, it led into another comic called Superman True Brit. Um, this was a one-shot comic from 2004 by, written by John Cleese, where um, Kal-El, instead of landing in Kansas, he actually landed in England. Um, funny thing, he just they gave him the name Colin Clark because they didn't realize that Kalel was actually Colin was actually Kalel, and it got canceled because it was too offensive to the British people. I would he was like, T is my super strength, and uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I refuse to read this, so but I'm, I'm just gonna say yes, okay. <laughs> Um, but also we have one, a new Superman who is operating now currently. Uh, this is the Superman, a super hyphen man of China. Uh, he first appeared in Superman, again, super hyphen man number one in 2016. Uh, this is following the events of the Dark Side Apocalypse War um, story arc in which Superman, upon absorbing all that energy from apocalypse he unfortunately deteriorates his body starts to deteriorate to the point where he's going to explode with all this energy so he's looking for a successor and it's a bunch of people are stepping up here and there but we get introduced to kong keenan who um recently in comic book news it looks like the entire super family is going to get a redesign and he is part of that new super family um he got his powers because uh originally he was a bully and then he threw a soda can at a supervillain when the supervillain was attacking people um so yeah it's like a scene that works well in my hero academia but not so much for kylie jenner <laughs> um but it does get filmed and um there's this private organization funded by the chinese government there's just like we actually attained some of the life force energy of Superman when he exploded. So they decide to give it to him as he becomes the new Superman of China, which leads into him creating a branch of the Justice League called the Justice League of China, where he's teaming up with Batman. That's Bat hyphen man. Every time I say one of these people is going <laughs> to have a hyphen in between. We got Wonder Woman. Um, the Flash, whose new real name is Avery Ho, she received her powers during a second um, speedstorm. Uh, Dragon Sun, who is Aquaman in their um, in this branch of the Justice League, and finally Robin Bot, who is kind of like their Alpha Five. 
that's that's enough. That, that's enough <laughs> of, of of all that universe. When you said Robin Bot, I uh, that that's where you kind of got me. I'm getting Monster <laughs> Mayhem flashbacks. All right, some PTSD. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, you know, Superman, he's always been a favorite, you know, definitely recognized as an American hero. So it's kind of cool to see this alternate reality where um, Superman does end up in a different place. It's been toyed around with so often, as we mentioned, there's the Supergirl episode, there's an episode of, um, I believe, Justice League action, in which they also kind of cover this story as well. But um, overall, movie is is good. I, I will I honestly say that the movie is good. Um, however, if you don't want it to be sour for you, please don't read the comic first. Unless, <laughs> or if you read the comic, just try to watch the movie many a long time after you see it, read it. That is a sounds like a fair assessment because I, I had a great time. But yeah, sometimes <laughs> don't read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Down with literature. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our Sweet or Sour episode of Superman Red Sun. Uh, stay tuned for next week as we will continue on with the penultimate episode of our Sweet or Sour season, our 2021 film, where um, it's going to be where Batman meets Ninja. Yes. Souls, uh, dragons, but not House of Dragon. You'll see it all next time. <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie, guys, so I'm uh, spitballing here. <laughs> Well, until then, uh, take care of yourselves and remember that, um, I guess, don't read the book before you watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, and if someone offers for you to be part of the Green Lantern Corps in, and it's like based in the U.S., stay in the back. Uh, <laughs> you might make it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs>